Hi, I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome to the MIT Press podcast. Today I'll be talking to Dmitry Koshinov, author of the Citizenship EKS title. Welcome to the podcast. Could you introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. So I'm Dmitry Koshinov, and I'm a professor of constitutional law and citizenship in Groningen, which is in the Netherlands. It's in the far north. But I've been studying citizenship for almost 20 years now. And this, this is a fascinating topic, although probably it's not the, the, the most talked about. That's what I was going to ask, actually. I was wondering if you could talk to me a little bit about how you found your way into citizenship as an area of study. Well, that's, that's my life uh, in a way, because I, I was born in the Soviet Union. And then when I was in high school, once attending a history class uh, dedicated to citizenship, Soviet citizenship, obviously, it happened to be the day when the Soviet Union kind of disappeared. So the, the right. teacher was unsure, <laughs> because all the flags were changing several times a day on all the towers around the city. So we started speaking about citizenship, and then I realized it's so terribly random. Then I started traveling the world. I received a, a Soviet model Russian passport with simply a stamp saying, in the Soviet passport, saying, by the way, this guy uh, is, is now claimed by the Russian Federation. And then everybody sp looked at me with suspicion, uh, like, uh, what, what kind of document is that? And then I became Dutch, and nothing changed about me besides, uh, besides the document. Right. But the treatment I started receiving everywhere in the world has fundamentally improved. And so then, naturally, you come to think, why is that? The person is the same, but mm. the document really affects the treatment we receive everywhere. So it's such a deep and sometimes terrible way that I started reading about it and writing about it. And what I discovered was a glorifying narrative of uh, how citizenship is wonderful, how it allows whole peoples to liberate themselves and to feel free, self-govern themselves, etc. So it's not quite the narrative which I experienced with my really use Soviet model passport with a Russian stamp, where I was always told that somehow I don't deserve uh, any kind of hospitality, any kind of respect, any kind of minimal kindness, unlike someone who, who travels on a, on a similarly uh, used American passport or, mm. say, a German or, or a South Korean. Mm. And so you, you immediately start then uh, putting things into perspective. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's a sort of, if you're in a position of privilege, things always seem slightly more neutral until you're on the other side. Precisely. And, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately, the, the majority of standard narratives of citizenship are actually written by the people who hold the best status. Right. So what I suppose we can gather from, uh, from parative studies of citizenship today is that while some citizenships bring you rights, others are actually severe piles of liabilities. So if you're an American, that's a, that's a great thing. You will not think about citizenship at all. But if you're Liberian, and uh, if you cannot travel, if you don't get anything uh, based on that status in terms of actually usable rights, mm. then it's, it's, it's a totally different story. Yeah. And then when Americans tell you, actually, we are liberating ourselves by building this great country uh, without you, uh, and it's, it's only logical to exclude you under the pretext that you're not a citizen, you start thinking, well, how valid is this pretext today in the 21st century, knowing that the distribution of the status is, is absolutely random. It's, it's an act of birth. Yeah. And so the, so the book is, uh, is not about citizenship in, in one particular polity. It's, it's about the com comparative account of this, of this notion all around the world. And once you start comparing, you suddenly realize that these privileged accounts, which, which are in abundance, which are produced by Americans, Western Europeans, by the elite scholars in, in the best schools, of course, uh, 
they don't quite give you the outsider perspective. And there is one outsider in the history of citizenship, that's Aristotle. He was, uh, he was a metic in Athens, of course. And that's one of the most critical accounts of citizenship that happens to be. So yeah. uh, it's not that I want to imitate Aristotle, but I simply point the reader to the fact that uh, we should be more aware of how biased the dominant narrative is. Yeah, that dominant narrative seems to have a lot of weight politically at the minute especially in the West, the sort of narrative surrounding the importance of citizenship and that kind of exclusionary nature of citizenship. Why do you think now it's that really important to kind of critically analyse this idea of citizenship? It seems to be very sort of essential in the underpinning of a certain kind of nationalist rhetoric. Well, interesting, it's not only the West, actually, because if you, if, if you look at the school books and the Palestinian Authority, they might be even more patriotic than American school right. books or the school books in Syria, however much we might agree that whether the actual state exists or not. Right. Uh, it might be any authority, any thug who came into power. Like, think about states that don't exist under international law but still distribute their citizenship. The Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. They're also very patriotic. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's the dilemma of citizenship. It's always sold to the citizens as, as the baseline of their political belonging and of their self-determination. But in fact, knowing that the majority of the, of the countries in the world are not democracies uh, and checking whether they have citizenship, we see this lack of correspondence between democracy and self-determination and citizenship uh, as a concept of domination. It's used in order to justify any kind of authority in power. And on this account, it's actually absolutely of no relevance where we're spe- whether we're speaking about, about a democratic state or a terrible autocracy or a horrible theocracy. Uh, Iran has citizenship, but uh, Argentina also has citizenship and Canada has citizenship. And three statuses, however different and however absurdly justified, because it's all self-determination, they work in exactly the same way in terms of uh, branding people as someone who is worthy of being uh, her rights boosted or someone who, uh, who is not worthy of any respect internationally right. uh, all around the world. And uh, this is something that is frequently forgotten by those who only look at one system or one political framework, is that citizenship is not only about the inside, it's also about the outside. So as American outside of the US, you come to Paris, and you get a treatment radically different from the treatment that an Iranian would get, mm. or, God forbid, a Liberian would get. Because actually, one third of the world's citizens will never make it to Paris, because the Schengen visa will never be issued under any circumstances whatsoever. And this is something that we, we should always keep in mind. It's yeah. all entirely random. And using democracy, uh, knowing how rare it is, and how privileged, and how totally valuable it is mm-hmm. as a justification for the status quo of randomness around the world, knowing that the status of citizenship actually calls for uh, submission in any society, no matter how, how that society is built politically, is something that I want to call the attention of the readers to. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose with this kind of criticism of citizenship, what, what kind of, of imperative do you want readers to kind of come away with from this book? How do you think that what you've achieved in this book does in terms of helping people form a kind of political agenda about how citizenship should look in the future or how you move beyond these kind of problems. We need to be very careful about citizenship because yeah. what, what we discover from the comparative accounts, like the one which I, which I did my best to provide, mm. is that uh, it doesn't actually work for the majority of the, world, of the world's population. Right. So we hear about the connection between citizenship and rights 
But in fact, that closer interaction, once we go from polity to polity, uh, we discover liabilities for billions of people, really, uh, around the world. And then when we look at the history of citizenship, we see that there is definitely some improvement, in fact, in the way it functions in terms of uh, becoming an inclusive status in, in, some, in some democracies. So women are now not excluded from citizenship. Minorities, in some cases, are now not excluded, excluded from citizenship. More and more rights are granted, not on the basis of citizenship, but on the basis of other criteria, for instance, legal residence. But we need to realize that citizenship was initially designed precisely to exclude those groups right. and precisely to uphold the status quo, the structures of power, which were, which were there from the very beginning. So, so the success of this waning away of citizenship as an exclusionary status basically means that probably citizenship doesn't have a positive role to play at all in the 21st century. So if, if we believe in, uh, in a world which is, uh, which is based on individual agency or an honest approach to looking at person, the, the rights of the human being, the, uh, discovering a constitutional subject, as it were, who is not branded by the, by the random location of a particular color for, for a passport, some, some colors are horrible, mm -hmm. then obviously uh, we come to realize that citizenship is, is simply the wrong starting point. And then the more patriotic you are about citizenship, the more willing you are, by definition, to exclude billions of people on random grounds from being considered seriously as worthy human beings. Mm. And this is probably not the right way to go. Yeah. That's got quite radical implications, hasn't it? Well, thinking frequently has uh, radical implications. Yeah. All right. Because it goes to the core of what we seem to believe in, what we, what we are taught at school. But in fact, the outside the perspective actually, actually teaches us a lot. And uh, you wouldn't believe the difference in treatment you get as a Dutchman as opposed to a bearer of a Soviet passport with a special stamp. Mm -hmm. And a Soviet passport with a special, special stamp is, is still a, it's, it's a passport of a, of a disappearing superpower as opposed to someone's refugee document. Which, you, which only grants a right to, to make one trip to a particular destination or a passport of a horrible totalitarian state. Think about some, some Myanmar passport which are usually issued for, uh, for one trip to a particular location. I had such students in Japan, uh, for instance, who had, who had the Burmese passports, uh, Myanmar passports issued for Japan only. And they, of course, they couldn't travel anyway. Yeah. But travel is travel is per se is also luxury. But if you think about all the rights, pretty much, yeah. uh, then the implications of citizenship are huge, and then they're usually drastic for the, mm. for the majority of people. Thank you for coming and talking to us about the book. It's like a really good. I feel like it's a kind of subject that appears really almost kind of like plain and neutral. But as soon as you kind of get into it, it really just unpicks all these kind of really fundamental yeah, questions. Yeah, turn many many lives into hell while everybody's smiling and praising yeah. it. And, uh, and this is why I think it's, uh, it, it has to be talked about yeah. and it has to be written. Yeah. Thanks so much. Cheers.